of my father-in-law, and uh, we got a text and uh, went home after the meeting was done and found out it was my wife's um, mother had passed away. So it was quite a surprise to us. Actually, she was just to let you know, she was um, in a home, and uh, she's a real bubbly person, and so the care person came in to take care of her, and uh, she said, oh, where are you from? And the caretaker said, oh, I'm from Sherwood. She said, that's where I'm from. And uh, she said, oh, and they got talking about that, and then the caretaker says, i just go into the bathroom for a minute and clean up something for you, and I'll be right out. And she came out, and she had passed away. And so it was quite a surprise to us. So appreciate your prayers. My wife was already booked to go back. I was going to, Lord willing, go on, but I think the Lord wants me to go back too and be a support there. I was going to go on to Papua New Guinea and her join me later. And uh, she was actually going to go home to help take care of her dad. who was also in the same home and having trouble with dementia and whatnot. So um, anyway, died at the age of 91. And um, thank, the, thank the Lord that she knew the Lord. And... Uh, what a glorious day it'll be one day when we all can join together and from different, as we read this morning, somebody read this morning, I think it was you, brother, from different tribes and languages around the world, uh, we can join and uh, praise the name of the Lord for eternity. So we look forward to seeing her again, but appreciate your prayers. I'm going to try get a ticket back up. She was booked her ticket, those nice, we get direct ticket uh, flights. Actually, we can get them for 116 bucks, 107 bucks. From here, a direct flight to our little Halifax out on the East Coast. And so Lois got one of those tickets, but the ticket has turned around and become over $500 if I was going to make it. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of puddle jumping to go back and in the end still beat her home. Okay, um, just for a couple of moments here, I'd like to turn to Colossians chapter 4. Do you have your Bibles or your tech? Um, my dad is a preacher in the Netherlands, and he went back home. That's where home is. And, uh, and so I carry my tech, uh, my Bible, on my phone and on my computer, and that's where I do a lot of my... I have a tremor. And it's usually my hands are... It's not because I'm scared of you. Uh, I have a tremor, and uh, it's always there. And, and uh, Anyway, so I do a lot of my stuff on tech because I couldn't even make a note here in my Bible hardly. My wife does all my writing for me. and uh, So anyway... I was over in the Netherlands to visit my dad on the way home last time, and uh, he said, uh, I was ready to go to a meeting. He said, where's your Bible? And I said, it's on my phone here. He goes, that's not a Bible. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, he's actually, in some senses, um, there's one part that he's right. He says, what do you do when the power shuts down? You don't have any power anymore. And he says, power's out for a couple of days. You don't have a Bible. He said, this is a Bible. So anyway, um, Whatever way you have it, I'm glad you have it and trust that you read it, But um, which I did just recently have when we were in New Brunswick and the power did go down and everybody was all lined up at our Tim Hortons restaurant and, and uh, nobody had their Bibles on their tech anymore. So it's good to have the written book. So Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, uh, it says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man let's just pray for a moment Heavenly Father we thank you for your love to us we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation for the hope of heaven. Father, I thank you tonight for the family of God. We're from different parts of the world, and Father, yet we thank you that 
we can know you and we can know others that know you because of the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts. And Father, I pray that your word would speak to each one here tonight. And we pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, just uh, just these thoughts have struck me in the last little while as I have thought about different people praying for us. And um, it says here, continue in prayer. And I'm thankful to the people who pray for us. I've been on, over in Papua New Guinea and... Um, I knew that there was a man who was very, most of the people are very nice to me in my tribe, but one man was very upset. He's, I never met him before. He's, our tribe is 100,000 people, and I was way off in this corner, traveling through this area, through a bush road, and uh, on a four-wheeler, and um, a man came to me, and he said, there's a man up the road, and he wants to kill you. And uh, so I said to him, I said, oh, well, I'll talk to him, and everything will be all right. And uh, excuse me, what? my dad taught me to do and so uh, so he said no he said he's tightened his bow and that in the language means that he really wants to kill you and um, finally we so this one guy came along and uh, this man was talking to me he said I think you should go back the other way that you came and uh, another man came along and said do you want me to go and we'll go meet him and he said I think everything will be alright I said okay so we went along taking a risk and you know when you're staring down the long end of, of a, a five-foot sphere that's on this bow or arrow, and all of a sudden you need to say something, it's only the Lord and somebody praying back home that gives you the right words to say at the right time to calm this guy down. And uh, Because I, I was looking at the spear, and the first thing I thought, I thought, man, that's, that's really sharp on the end. That's going to just slide right through me. <laughs> and uh, But the Lord gave us some... Uh, gave me some words, and I happened to have a little booklet that I had translated. It was just a little story that I used for people to teach them how to read and write, and I began to read that to them. And uh, anyway, I just really appreciate people back home that were praying for us at that very same time, and uh, whatever we were going through. And I met a a lady not too long ago in the uh, Ontario area where her brother's from, and uh, she says every morning she's a very tall lady. She says every morning in her 80s, she says, I walk to my fridge. And she said, I walk about this speed. She says, I'm not very fast. But she says, when I get there, she says, I look at my fridge and she says, I see people there I have to pray for. And she says, you're on there. And I'm just thankful for people because I really believe, I really believe that there are different times, whether I'm translating a word or whatever I'm doing, I believe that God's people are praying and God acts on their behalf. Way around the other side of the world, sitting on my mountain in the same place day after day, People are praying for us, and I'm so thankful for that. And it says here, pray also for us that God would open unto us a door which we've been praying for because of all the fighting that's been going on in our tribe. Different villages have been fighting over different things. Some of it has to do with the sorcerer. Some of it has to do with land. Some of it has to do with women. And there's just, they've got guns. I mean, you're looking with your binoculars, and they're popping each other off. And uh, anyway, we thank the Lord that that's died and that God has opened one village up that has asked us to come and speak there and to um, teach them the word of God. And then um, another brother who lives near town, he is in another tribe where he's connected with three small tribes and knows their languages. And they're Yate, Inoke, and Kanite. I'll ask you those names afterwards. Anyway, he said, there's six works we just started there, and he said, there's nobody to teach these. There's young men, think, there's young men, two years old. You saw the little kids up on the stage here? Are they your preachers? No, but that's literally what it is over there. You've got these people who are, they're just saved. 
And you know what we have when we start work like that, my brother probably knows this, I have a, a room full of babies. Why didn't you let me lead this thing in this morning? Or, you know, whatever, you know, some kids might come up with. And so you're dealing with that all the time as you see these kids grow. So he's saying, we've got all these people. And he said, why don't you come over and help us? I said, I don't know your language. He said, that's okay. You're a big language. We all know yours. And so anyway, the Lord is opening some doors. And we're just so thankful that he's doing that. And uh, we hope to be um, a help to him. We've had some fun just getting together for some fellowship and, and me preaching the word. And they're really strong Christians and so uh, we hope to help them um, start these other works that are way out in the bush. Verse 4 says, Pray that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. I know time's going on. How much time do I got here, Jamal? Okay. So I can move along. Uh, it says here, That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And I think some translations say that I, I would make this message clear. And my brother in Orlando was just sharing with me a little story. He said, it's funny you should mention that verse. He said, there's a pastor who was a believer and every night he would go to tuck his daughter into bed. But before he would tuck her into bed, he would kneel down before her and sing some songs and then pray with her. Like you guys know songs like, I love you, Lord, and I live my boy. And so he would be doing that, just kind of lift his hands. I don't know if he's charismatic or not. But anyway, he would raise his hands and then he would pray with her, tuck her into bed. And she'd go off to sleep. So he did this with her for some years. And when she was five years old, the family would get together for their evening devotional time. And uh, the mother decided to ask her a question. So she said, sweetie, she said, who's the Lord? And, and the girl really happily said, well, I am. And she goes, no, seriously, who's the Lord? And she says, I am. And so her dad cut in and said, why are you saying I'm the Lord? She says, well, every night you kneel before me and you say, I love you, Lord. So that's why when I'm done preaching a lot of times, I, we have a set of questions. When we write up messages and lessons, we always have a set of questions at the end because we really want to know what people are thinking. And I think Paul really wanted to make the message very clear to the people. So then it tells us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. It says redeem the time. And, and that's probably one of the first messages I ever spoke on, which is a lot to say about that in Ephesians chapter 5 but that we would redeem the time, buy up the opportunities that we see coming by our way. Sometimes it's easy to let them pass or you know, miss the opportunities that God really wants to use us for his glory. Well, it was back, oh, probably, well, as many years ago that I had interest in missions, and, um, and when I began to see the need in Papua New Guinea, um, there's 850 languages in Papua New Guinea, so there's more languages than than any other country in half of that island. So that's just north of Australia. And um, so we saw the need there and saw all these different languages. And we thought, well, Lord, could you use us there? And so we went into training uh, in Durham with New Tribes Mission. They kind of specialized with um, a lot of focus to reach tribal places. And um, so basically you go into a country and you're going to learn a trade language. And then after that, you're going to survey some tribes, which we did. And then you're going to trust the Lord to go into a tribe, which you're going to learn their language. And then you're going to write up their alphabet and write up their grammar system. And then you write up booklets for them so they can learn to read and write. And then you're going to hopefully preach the gospel. And then we translate Bible lessons chronologically, um, teaching from Genesis to Christ's resurrection. And then once they're saved, teaching onward through the rest of the Bible, again, chronologically. So you make up lessons so that they have these things um, that they can teach from. 
and then translate the word of God. And I'm saying all this is because it just, when you, when you're at the starting line, you think, I'm just looking at some families around me in Papua New Guinea right now. One family, they're just so enthusiastic. They're so excited. They're both home with cancer. And they just didn't even get through the language part. And it's just amazing that, that God has taken us through all this and uh, that he's allowed us to be used for his glory to reach out to tribal people in a setting like that. So we're back at our home assembly, and some of the older men are saying, well, why don't you just, just go over there and get into it? And uh, we thought, well, I don't know how to write down a foreign language. I mean, I could use English letters and do everything the English way, you know, like through and rough and all those words that have different sounds and different spelling with it, and what would we have? So anyway, we were glad that uh, we went through the training. Uh, some of it was up in Durham, Ontario, how to teach in a different culture so you don't say dumb things, and uh, though we still say dumb things. And um, also how to come down to Missouri here, went to language school, and um, how, do you, how do you write certain words? Like, I have to lick my lips and swallow my spit before I... I don't want to project on anybody here. But in an African language, brother, I don't know what the language is, but... The word for tomato is hmm. Hmm. How do you spell hmm? <laughs> it's actually a capital M with a little M, and then there's a thing called the glottal. I don't know if you guys have this, but on part of our West Maritimes, we have people who don't say bottle and cattle. They say bottle and cattle. And so they speak, and that's a glottal in your throat. That's a click. And how do you spell water? Mm. How do you spell I? I don't know. What, what do you write down for that? You might write something. I might write something different. But you know something? I believe that God has given us one symbol, one letter for every sound that's out there. And when I got over to Papua New Guinea, somebody who was helping me from another tribe um, teach me the trade language. And his language was never written down, but he had learned to speak the trade language and how to write it. So then one day I said, well, can you say some words to me? So then he started writing them down. I said, how do you know how to write them down? How do you spell them? Well, he said, just write it like it sounds. <laughs> anyway, another word, last word, is a word that's like a skunk animal or something over in Africa, wherever it is. And you say, <laughs> how do you spell it? <laughs> I have no clue. But once we were taught, went through the training, it all made sense. And somebody says something, you just write down the sound. Write down the letter for the sound. <laughs> anyway. That was the exciting part going through language school. And then uh, what we got over to Papua New Guinea was a long flight. I think we spent, left Toronto and, um, and flew to Alaska and then over to Hong Kong and down the Philippines and stayed with friends at a guest house in Philippines, Manila. I loved it there and the culture there. And then we flew down to Papua New Guinea. We were 72 hours on the road with little kids and I had a 48-hour flu. Talk about a little fun time. Anyway, we got there, and we settled into um, an orientation center. We learned the trade language, and uh, within a couple of months, the missionaries there were taking us out and practicing what we learned in language school. They wanted us to get right onto that. And so you get out to tribes, and, and I, I went to diff 17 different tribes and uh, just to survey, see what the need was like, and flew to different places where different missionaries felt they wanted to go. So I was one of the surveyors, and we went out. And you write down words and nouns and phrases and stuff like that, and I've forgotten most of them, but people say, 850 languages, really? They must be pretty similar. Well, in my tribe, when you say, I'm happy, you say, Nagara Musehwe. 
But in another tribe, they say, Do they sound the same? Not even remotely. As a matter of fact, when I came back to our tribe and said to the guys that these people over here say, They said, Are you sure you weren't in China somewhere? And I said, No, I was in Papua New Guinea, I can promise you. And to prove that it was true, I actually went to a store, and some of the people move out of their bush places because they're getting educated, and they come to stores, and I was at this place called Best Buy. The Australians had brought this store in. And there was a young lady working behind the counter, and um, so I always asked them, because 850 tribes, you must ask them, what's your tribal language, where are you from? And uh, so this lady said, I'm from Yopno, knowing that I would never be there. But I happened to fly to Yopno in the middle of nowhere, little tribe of people, small little tribe, about 2,000 people, in the middle of Papua New Guinea, 7 million people. And I said, I was there. Really? You were at my place? Shit, you were at my place. I said, I remember one word. And I, so I said this phrase to her. I said, tell me what it means when I say it to you. So she stand behind the tail and I say, just like that, she hit the floor. And I looked behind the tail. I said, is everything Okay. And uh, she got back up, her hands over her face, and I said, what did I say? She said, you said, I am happy. She said, I can't believe you'd even know how to say that in my language. So, I mean, very, very different, very different culture-wise. Um, it's just amazing the difference between um, one language to another. Um, and in my language, the Cafe tribe that I'm in, there is five different dialects there. So they're not dialects of each other. There's five dialects in my language. I, can, don't, I don't know many of the other words for the other dialect, but... Just the word dog, we say irive for dog. The next dialect says kra, another says matma, another says pra. That's at least four words for dog. Anyway, that's what it's like over there. And in a few minutes here, we're going to look at some pictures. And uh, so going over there, the whole goal is that we would establish New Testament churches, no different than here, that could carry on in a different culture, in a different Maybe the floor is made out of bamboo. Maybe the roof is grass. But we want to see New Testament assemblies that can carry on and that are the same thing that we're doing here. That's no different. And I believe that God has given us a very simple way of New Testament church thinking that we can pass that on to others, that they can carry it on, and that we see that happening all around the world. So it's really uh, exciting to see that. Um, we get over there, like I said, you learn the trade language, you get into a tribe, you learn the tribal language, write up the grammar system, do all that, and then hopefully teach the word, and then give them, try to work yourself out of a job, and uh, let them carry on the work. And we're just thankful to God what he's been doing. And okay, we're all ready to go. Okay, do we need any lights at work? So yes, go ye into the world. Oh, I've got it up here. Uh, we want to go into the world and make disciples and uh, and that's one of the difficult things you know get see people saved and get excited and write people home and say hey there's people got saved but boy then you've got babies and you've got to start training them and you've got to work with them and you've got to disciple them and, and when you're the only person first doing that it's uh, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort but we thank the Lord it's let me see you get this point at the right spot I got it on Take it. You guys click it. So these are a little bit of what our mountains look like over there. Okay, yeah, we got to go back one maybe, or can I go back one? Will I do it? 
Okay, yeah, I'm on. So there we are. There's Papua New Guinea. So it's just above Australia. I was done showing a set of slides in Ontario, of all places, and uh, one of the elders came up to me and said to me afterwards, so when are you going back to Africa? I said, I'm going back to Papua New Guinea. He goes, yeah, that's what I mean. When are you going back to Africa? <laughs> and uh, so I gave him a chance, but anyway. We're just above Australia. Um, we're nowhere near Africa, Indonesia, right in the center of the country. So that's us a little while ago. So um, the little blonde head sitting on Lois's lap is Jennifer, and she got married three weeks ago. And the brunette sitting beside her got married last weekend in Orlando. And so, yeah, wow. They shouldn't be allowed to do that two weeks within each other. Oops. I'm going this way. I'll be all right. Okay, so this is our market, a typical market over in Papua New Guinea. There's lots of good veggies around. There's usually a dirty corner like up on the left side there with Miss Piggy. Try to stay away from that part. But uh, otherwise, there's lots of good food. Um, yeah, there's uh, the pe people there eat chicken feet. Um, Marilyn and Aaron, they brought us some chicken the other day, but they didn't leave the feet on it. I don't know where they went, but uh, <laughs> it, it was good anyway. Um, we kind of miss sucking on it. No, I've never eaten chicken feet. Um, they eat grub worms, and then over on the side, there's a lady holding um, June bugs. They eat June bugs. And uh, so it was not long ago they said, uh, well, it was a while ago, but we have some orange trees around our property, and we help them catch them because they, that's their meat. Sometimes they don't have any meat for a long time, and, and so they collect them. And then they came to me one day and said, so did, have you ever eaten these? And I said, no. And uh, they said, well, we've got some for you. And uh, so they kindly gave me some. My son and I took them inside. You have to pull off the wings and pull off the legs and then throw them in the frying pan. And uh, what? And, and you throw them in the frying pan and you cook them up and you put a little seasoning salt on them. We cheated, actually, used seasoning salt. And, uh, and then we popped in our mouths and we assured his sisters and mom that they were really tasty and our coworker. Anyway, I don't have the pictures, but uh, I wish I could show you the pictures of the faces they made when they ate them. But <laughs> we don't eat them every day. Uh, we have a guy who's now one of our full-time preachers over there, and um, we were driving up the road, and he says to me, stop, stop, stop. And I said, what? He says, i got to see if this woman had her baby. And I think he had this planned all along. So he yells up the mountain, did you have her baby? And his wife actually was helping there. She said, yes, he did. What should we call him? Call him D. Jagger. So the little guy sitting on the roof there is D. Jagger. <laughs> um all around us, great gardening, lots of good food, except when there's drought. Um, we just got back, and the drought was gone, and we had seven months of rain. So lots of mudslides. Um, this is, I'm showing you some, I've really got a mixture of pictures. We're going to go forward and rewind sort of thing, because I have a lot of pictures here I kind of want to um, introduce you to. But, um, yeah, you're not going to see some of the four-wheeling we had to do to get up the mountains, but um, it was really muddy. This is actually during a drier part of the of the year. Uh, people ask me, they say, hey, you haven't been over to my place for a while. I go, yeah, I know. I said, yours is like one hour down the mountain, one hour back up the mountain. That's two hours. And we sit down and talk for an hour and I go back again. That's five hours. <laughs> anyway, so some of them live far away. But as you fly over Papua New Guinea, you'll see little airstrips in certain places. And you know that there's a good chance maybe there was a missionary there. But there are certainly a lot of hamlets, a lot of little groups and clans that uh, have never heard about Jesus Christ. They don't know really who he is. And if they do, it's often, I can't tell you how many times there are churches there that have, ne that, uh, have never preached the gospel message or there are cults there. 
Uh, yeah, this is our highway coming home and uh, lots of great big potholes. And I guess it's about 10 times worse right now, so very hard on my poor back. Usually when we come back to Papua New Guinea, this is what the lane looks like when, we're, when we get back. And uh, this is our place. So down in the far right is our home. Um, I have better shots, but this is just, again, one presentation showing that sometimes the grass is like um, 10 to 12 feet high, and uh, so it's very covered there. And then we have our co-worker, Tracy. She's um, uh, from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, across the border from Michigan, Sault Ste. Marie, and uh, she's there right now. And uh, this is a group of people that uh, are doing a sc uh, school fundraising sort of thing, and they get all dressed up in their forefathers' dress. And uh, so anyway, they were way out in the bush somewhere, and we got invited out to this place. We got there, and in our area, our tribe is very big, bad for holdups, holding up people on the roads. So anyway, we got there, and the government and the politicians who were supposed to be there to help out and to do the speaking were not there. So then they said, will you guys be the politicians for the day? So we became the politicians, and um, it was just a good opportunity to connect with these people, and we're just praying that the Lord will open up doors that we could... Um, uh, share the gospel there. So here's just a rewind going backwards uh, to when we were first there and uh, writing down words, just writing things down and trying to say things and say things right or as best as we could. And, and then you have little PE cards you carry around with you and you try to say things. And I had a coworker there. He was, um, he's from Michigan and now he's living here in Sanford, Florida. And so he was there for a few years and decided to move on and go into another ministry back here. But uh, anyway, I have a PE card. And in Papua New Guinea, in the highlands, the languages are much harder than they are on the coast. In the coast, they're like normal words. But in the highlands, each letter is like an English word. And you might have 12 to 20 letters in a word. And so you have multiple words in that word. And um, so anyway... I met these two ladies who are women of the road who basically sleep around. And uh, so I just politely said good morning to them. And uh, I was going to say to them, how are you two doing? But I hadn't rounded one of my letters at the end. It looked like a U, and it didn't look like the A it was supposed to be. So rather than saying, how are you two doing, I said, so how are we two doing? And uh, anyway, she followed me around all day and said all kinds of things. And then, my, of all things, my American coworker said a very nasty thing to me. He heard the story, and we were driving home one day, and she was walking along the side of the road, and he says, oh, there goes your girlfriend. <laughs> so we teach people to read and write, and then we teach them as quickly as we can to become teachers. And if we have anybody who's learned to read and write in the trade language, we try to grab them so that they can be our teachers and we can back ourselves out of that job. And so we thank the Lord for the guys who have done that. Um, we've been getting some assemblies to help us with MP3 players laying around the house that they're not using anymore. We won't pick on you guys on that, but uh, I've gathered some up that we can take back with us. And the reason we did is because the elderly people over there, all they've ever held in their hand is a digging stick to dig sweet potatoes with. And now they're sitting in a classroom, which they've never done before. And so you get these little flashcards like this guy has, and you hold up the letter A, and you say to them, this is the letter A. They go, oh, I want everybody to say, ah, and everybody says, ah. 
and then you add the letter N on another card and you say this is Na. Everybody say Na. So you go back and forth, you teach that all day, and you teach that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Ah and Na to the older people, not the younger people. And on Monday, they don't have a clue what it is. And so a lot of the older people never learn to read and write. Well, one lady had heard that Wycliffe Bible translators were selling MP3 players that were made by Israel and we could record the word of God in the tribal language, which Wycliffe was doing with our tribe. And so she said to her son, she says, I, only, I feed you guys all the times, time and I want you guys to take your money and go buy me one of these MP3 players. So they said, well, mom feeds us all the time still. We're big, but we better go do what she says. So off they went. They went to Wycliffe and said, we need one of these MP3 players. And um, it was neat to hear the guys talking about her. They said when she got it and she pressed the button to play, there's a big speaker on. All of us could listen to one of these MP3 players if I put it on the stage. And when she pressed play and she heard her own language and she could hear the word of God being read, she began to cry. And she held it to her heart and she said, this is the first time that I can feed myself from the word of God. You know, sometimes we take that for granted, don't we? That we actually hold the word of God. We, I mean... How many of us don't have many Bibles and different translations, and yet over there they don't have that? So we teach them to read so that they can read our Bible lessons, and uh, when we're done teaching, they can take the lessons home with them and go over them. So we finally got to the part where we had finished with language learning. We get four checks and four tests, and finally passed through that, and uh, took a while. And then we began to teach the people the Word of God. We teach them again chronologically, Genesis to Christ's resurrection, and uh, we thank the Lord that at the end of it, we just didn't know. Again, we're, there are different cults around us. Um, different people would put us down for the things we believed in. But some came out, and we thank the Lord for them leaving their old churches and taking even a bigger step and uh, being baptized. So we thank the Lord for those who have come to know the Lord. And uh, after we always have a baptism, the kids jump in the water. Uh, again, this is one of our brothers back there. And just a real faithful guy in the Lord. If, if our coworker Tracy goes home, then um, he'll look after the property. He lives in my office. And uh, he's just a, a really good brother. And the neat thing is, is 2008, they put in mobile phone towers. And now I can talk to him and uh, see how things are going. And he tells me if somebody's in sin or what's happening. And it's just really neat to see how the church carries on uh, doing the same thing we've done here Sunday, um, the Lord's Supper and uh, meeting from week to week. Um, they're in their gardens, I think, now. They're 15 hours ahead of us. But they love to get together and, uh, and fellowship with one another. And here's just a picture years ago of our two girls, our youngest, that were still there helping out with Sunday school. Um, after we'd been meeting in a, a building that was grass roof and woven bamboo walls on the side, they said, I think we've saved up a little bit of money. Can we try to start to build a building? And so we dug up on some ground that somebody had given us. Uh, somebody donated us a tree. This is a hoop pine tree, which is very special to them. And uh, it actually was more than enough siding from this tree to um, side our building. We first decided we were going to slab it and uh, with a chainsaw. It took us two mornings to cut one log up, and it was pretty crooked. So we knew our neighboring tribe had a sawmill, so we got them. They cut all nine logs. Um, started at 7 o'clock. We're done before 12 lunch. And so we thank the Lord for them coming to help us. Many people from missionaries too, from our own um, unsaved people too, they came along, wanted to see what's going along. Um, 
they wanted to be a part of seeing how we build and uh, so they loved uh, some of the guys love to hold a hammer and of course it's good times just to disciple some of the um, believers and encourage them in the Lord and uh, compare that again in the word of God we see God's house God's building that's what we're compared to so this is where we're finished and um, how far we've gotten to and they're praying right now and the Lord's just blessed them with a bit of money um, some missionaries come through dropped off some money to help try finish the inside of the building um, they saw that there were some boards left so some of the guys said okay well we can nail these things together so I said okay one morning I said I'll go get a square a what and they, I got back and they were nailing them together anyway and uh, so some of them might have a little bit of lean to them but the message is still the same um, I appreciate prayers for the youth there's um, like I said there's different cults churches in my own village um, they're there and a lot of the kids don't go to church. They see the falseness of it all. And so we have a, a time each week where we um, we play volleyball or rugby. And then we sit down and we teach the word. And then they go back playing again. So this was in our daughter Jennifer still around. And just playing some crazy games when it was rainy. Uh, we have times of Bible questions for them uh, from week to week. And so on a Sunday morning we get together and... Um, we actually have a time of singing first and uh, this is what our meeting looks like our Sunday we have a time of singing and then to get the kids out because if you're passing the bread around that's food and they're going to want it and um, so we get the kids out so that they can have their program and they can get into Sunday school and uh, and then we have a time of the Lord's Supper and then we go right into um, the main message right after that and then we go home and for two hours we're at home eating to getting prepared for Awana. Awana starts at 2 o'clock and that's on for two hours and then uh, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock would be the older youth. So there's a few of our kids that come out to Awana. That's a lot of our Sunday school kids. There's quite a few more actually that come from some of the neighboring um, hamlets and whatnot. It's exciting to see our own believers over there be able to teach the small groups and uh, Lois has been a part of that, teaching them how to teach others and uh, teaching them their Bible verses. Oh, I've got to tell you a quick story. See the little kid on the back there? Um, this is a separate story. His father came up to me one day and he said, um, hey, you got a good Canadian name I can name my son? My wife's going to have a baby. And I said, oh, I said, there's all kinds, but I wouldn't know what to give you. He said, oh, well, that's okay. He says, my friend has a radio. I'll go listen to the radio and maybe I'll find an English name. And uh, so anyway... Later, his son was born, and I said, uh, so what, did, did you get a name? Oh, yeah, I found a name. So now in our village, we have Elvis Presley. <laughs> and actually, I've been teaching Elvis a little bit to jam on the guitar. So <laughs> Anyway, he's, uh, I think Elvis is saved, but he's not able to really say clearly that, uh, you know, that he's trusting Christ. But uh, he's won Bibles for memorize- memorization and things like that. Try to get out, visit, disciple. It's always hard to get out when you're translating and you're so into your work in the office. You've got to get out and you got to visit some of the people. But uh, that's an important part of our ministry. Take somebody along. Guy on the left, he's one of our preachers, talking to these men about the Lord. Um, there are people there who go to a meeting that fellowships on the Sabbath day. And I was just sharing with somebody. They would actually have a conference. They believe we worship on Sunday, so we worship the sun god. And they would use verses in the Bible like saying, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. 
talking about those who worship on Sunday should be worshiping on the Sabbath day. So that's the sort of thing that happens around us. So um, we get talking to these people about what the Bible actually talks about. And when we go back, Lord willing, you can pray for me, I hope to have a three-series message on why I'm not a seven-day Adventist. And that's just, I usually don't mention the name, but um, I'll ask for your prayers for that. So these are three of the men who do the preaching back there. You can pray for them. It's just exciting to see them go through, you know, the first Adam and the second Adam and talk about that clearly through the book of Romans um, and see them teach. Um, the younger man down below has been teaching on the tabernacle. Uh, there's been a book translated, and uh, so he's been teaching on that. Again, we leave many different books. We're going back uh, teaching chronologically the Bible. We're going to be teaching Revelation next. They're finishing up with First Thessalonians. And so you can pray for that. Um, we tried to give them anything from song books to messages that they'll be preaching on. And these are a few of the ladies that have been helping out teaching, teaching to read and to write, teaching Sunday school. Uh, you can pray for our Sundays and Wednesdays too, that uh, the people will be faithful to come and that they'll know that they will grow in the Lord only as they come. Thankful for those who hold the Word of God in their hands and... Um, they're so used to just going off to the gardens in the morning and not realize the importance of reading God's Word, but it's exciting when they do. Um, again, through death, a brother of ours in the Lord died, and uh, many of his unsaved friends came out, and so those are good opportunities to reach out to um, unsaved people. Uh, there was about 300 people came out to the brother's um, funeral, and uh, a lady there asked us if we wouldn't come teach in her part of the village, and so we went to the neighboring village and taught there. And during that time, uh, this brother's younger brother um, was not saved. And I had talked to him before about the Lord. And uh, I said, you've been putting this off for a long time. And I said, your brother's only a year older than you. I said, what would happen if it was you? And uh, he knew what would happen. And within a couple of days, he came to know the Lord as personal Savior. So it was really exciting to see God work in his heart. So we go over to the neighboring village. And this is one time when Jen was still there. And um, here I'm using an example of the law. That the law I have, I'm holding up a mirror and showing that there's dirt on Jen's face, and uh, that the law shows us our sin. But can the can the law actually make us clean? And uh, of course, they're very understanding of the illustration. And so, um, most of the people again were those who would fellowship on the Sabbath at that typical gathering. So this man who's acting out Isaac here, and uh, Abraham, the man who's acting out Abraham actually. Him and his wife came to know the Lord during our little series of teaching there. Um, we have different opportunities where MSC, CMML, has given us a bit of money towards Bibles. And uh, there's been some other groups that have come through our tribe that are um, with a Swiss mission and teaching the gospel. So the people are really excited and thankful for uh, the Bibles that we gave out there. And then it's time for us to get ready to go home. Again, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place a little bit here because I'm trying to introduce some new things to you. But uh, here we're up in the mountains. We're in the eastern highlands of the province of Papua New Guinea, if you get a chance to look at it. Um, Goroka is only about an hour away from us. That's the capital city in eastern highlands province. And here we're getting ready to fly. And actually, for those who are Canadians, that's a Canadian-made plane. All the planes up there, the Dash 8s, are all Canadian-made. So... That's our claim to fame there in Papua New Guinea. Uh, get down the coast and we get into Port Moresby and we fly from Port Moresby up to Hong Kong or to Singapore, both about a little over six hours away. And depending which way we're going, if we're going to Mum and Dad in the Netherlands, then we fly maybe with Qatar 
and land in Doha, Qatar, and then from there to Belgium, Dad jumps across the border, picks us up, and then we fly the rest of the way, sometimes see my brother in Orlando, and then we fly up to Nova Scotia, and sometimes we fly, usually when we go back, we go across to the LA side and jump over to Brisbane and go up, but lots of um, uh, long-distance flights, sometimes like from Hong Kong up to, up to London is 13 hours, and um, so they're long, but... Uh, we thank the Lord for keeping us safe. Okay, so Jennifer's the guilty one. She was, um, she, her parents, her par- his parents are in the same province as us in a tribe, the guy she married named Dan. And so they were on their way home, a kind of surprise visit coming home, need to take care of some things, and so they decided it was a good time to get married. And so I threw Andrew in a big kafufi here because... Um, I was supposed to come down here December 10th and do something very different, and uh, so then he set me up for this date. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, so Jennifer was a guilty one there. And then right beside Jennifer is Julie. So Julie's wedding was last weekend in Orlando here, and I really appreciate your prayers for them. Um, young couples come to know the Lord. We just pray that they'll continue on. They love the Lord, and uh, Julie's husband, he loves to witness too. And uh, so we just pray. And Jennifer and her husband want to come back to Papua New Guinea. We have prayer cards at the back. We'd love you to take one. If you'd like a prayer letter, um, the email address is right there. Please feel free to send us a a note, and we'll um, uh, send our prayer letter to you. Our our son, Zeth, there on the side, I told him I'd I'd do this, so I'd better stick to my word. Not that he wants me to, but I said, you've reached 30. You're 30 years of age now. I said, I'm going to be like Abraham's um, servant and find you a wife. So... uh, (laughs) Hint, hint. Um, anyway, again, thanks a lot for praying for us. Um, we are so thankful to God's people around the globe, wherever they are. Um, we meet them in the Netherlands. We meet them in Papua New Guinea. We meet them back here. And this is the first time I met most of you here, and uh, if not all of you, and except for maybe Sid. Um, it's just so good to meet you and uh, to meet another part of the family of God doing his work in this part. We'll be praying for you guys as well. And I think I've got a couple of minutes left. Anybody, I've gone a lot faster than I thought. So anybody, any questions? Or Because I know I've jumped a lot of things. What's the main religion there? What's the main what? Religion. Religion? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Like, as far as their thinking is concerned, everybody is animistic. Like, they would have, they would um, follow what the sorcerer says or be in fear of the sorcerer and look to the witch doctor to fix things, um, a lot of things to do with spiritism and whatnot. Uh, we have seers who also try to fix things. You pay them and they'll fix your sicknesses or whatever. So that is the main belief system that's over there. But then along comes a church and they say, who do not preach the gospel, and they say, you need to go to church on Sunday. You need to pray to God. He's the great creator. You need to worship him and pray to him. So before they're saved, in their animistic belief, they're going, they can walk up to the sugar cane in their garden, and they try to manipulate the spirits of the ground, and they say, frigu, bagu, frigu, bagu, and what they're trying to do is, is to manipulate the spirit of the ground to make their sugar cane or their sweet potato to be the biggest. So now you're told to go to church and pray to God, so do we go frigu, bagu, to God, to manipulate him to do what we want him to do? So that's what we call syncretism, and syncretism of all sorts and sizes is is big in Papua New Guinea. Um, Seventh-day Adventism is probably one of the bigger religions. There's the revival. Revival has become very... I, don't, I only know that because of my co, um, 
my daughter married Dan, and his parents would say the revival church is very cultish. Um, you don't even get saved, but you get the spirit before you're even saved, and it's just it's very strange. But how long have you been there working at the Cafe Uh We moved there in July of '99. Yeah, we're really quite open to what the Lord wants us to do. Um, we're look, we're well, because of the fighting, we were um, ready to move into other areas because it didn't seem like things were opening up. We'd start in one area. It got closed because of all the druggies around that were causing problems and fighting. Our village was scared that I was going to get killed, and so they just said, why don't you go somewhere else? Um, in the meantime, well, we got a lot of work done as far as translation, but... Um, I just was telling somebody today in the Southern Highlands, somebody you know David Wainwright, um, that would be between me and him. He's very far in the bush. Well, I've never been in his area at all. But the Australians started a few assemblies, and that's exploded and to several hundred. And But most of those people, I would say, do not have any teaching. And, and I heard that through another gentleman who was actually not from assemblies but asked to come to the assemblies there to teach how to teach chronologically through the Word. So... There's a lot of doors open, and we're ready to go wherever the doors open, sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. That's probably them. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah it's, oh, we just call it the chronological lessons. And uh, it's very good because you're, you're connecting every story and every picture is connected. So when you go, we basically in my tribe call it steps, but every step is connected. And when you, let's say you introduce Satan and you introduce God, and you, then they begin to see who Satan is. And as you're going through the lessons, you say, oh, is, is Satan still in the picture? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's still there. You know, are people still the same? And you're connecting everything from the previous lesson to the following lessons. And so it's a really good method to the point that even in some African cultures, and I think in Papua New Guinea both, especially the people that are further in the bush, it seems, they're just laying in their huts at night and they begin singing chronologically because it's one picture. They begin singing songs from start to Christ's resurrection and you use those songs, you know, in your meetings later. So it's, it's really a, a wonderful teaching method. Um, I'll say I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do I'll do part in trade language and part in the in the cafe tribal language so in the in the trade language which sounds very Englishy I'll probably say it too quick but God got one pelapikini tasoli stock taso God like him to masol get the man meri belong ground ground if you can hear ground so ground earth cafe would be anumazamo mogoki mofravi antetni nagi would be kind of there. Yeah, so it's very, you wouldn't recognize anything. And just think there's almost, what, somewhere between 6,500 and 7,000 languages in the world, and there's about 6,500 and 7,000 ways to say God, and ours is Anumaza. So anyway, there's when you look at the Bible and people are translating, you've got Anumaza, Pangwa, Wapakumo, or whatever you've got, you've got all these different 
names and uh, and still worshiping the very same God. Yeah. Well, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask me later. Maybe I'll close. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for the Word of God. We thank you that we hold it in our hands. And Father, may we be students of the Word, that we're ready to share it at any moment to the lost around us. Father, we thank you that through the Word we can get to know you and and we see that it's truth and we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect example of truth. And we thank you so much, Father, for what he's done as we remember him from week to week um, as we get together in the Lord's Supper. And, and Father, we um, just pray your blessing on our little meeting even tonight um, in our village in Papua New Guinea that they would continue to stand strong. And Father, we just pray also tonight for... Uh, this fellowship here in Boulevard. Father, we pray that you would bless the saints here. May they be encouraged in you today, um, both in the Lord's Supper and the, and the message this morning. And Father, may they be challenged again today, knowing that there are people around us, Father, who want to hear the word and who need to hear the word, that, know, that they may know that they're lost sinners and that they may come to the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we can be ambassadors of your word, and um, I pray that each one here, to the youngest, to the oldest, Father, that they would uh, be blessed tonight and encouraged in your word, and we pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you.